The Money Show. Small business. The Small Business Focus brought to you by Productivity SA, providing solutions for businesses in distress. Pavlo Fatidis, um, his body is his temple. I don't think he, eat cake, he eats cake at all, but you do, if you have cake, you have to have plans to eat it, Pablo, and you must if you have cake, eat it. It is absolutely critical. I'm sure you would agree, despite your clean living approach to life. <laughs> uh, my clean living approach. Okay, all right. So I am quite clean living. Um, but Bruce, you know what? The idea, this idea of why not have your cake and eat it? Really, shouldn't that shouldn't that really be what life is about? And in, in business, it's especially true because I'm having this conversation more and more and more and more and more. You know, there were a couple of recent events in South Africa that have unsettled a lot of people. Um, slowly, we're settling down again, so it seems. But during that period, all of a sudden, you know, uh, big decisions were being made. Uh, thankfully, many haven't been followed through, but big decisions were being made. They were being made on impulse. People were... People got a big fright from the rights. Um, everyone is still a little bit unsettled because we haven't seen any definitive action come out of government. Who knows what they're doing about it? Who knows who's been held to account? Who knows what's been investigated? It's not communicated, which doesn't make things any better. But in those instances, when those rights took place, um, I landed up dealing with, I, I think it was about 52 telephone calls uh, with people saying, oh, I'm out, I'm out, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm, I want to sell my business, I want to get out of here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what was absolutely horrifying to see for most of them is that businesses they've done really well in, that have earned and generated good income, that have given them a privileged lifestyle of being able to educate their kids in private schools, enjoy family holidays, live well, et cetera, and so forth, could yield very, very little value on an exit because the way the business had been built had been built only to produce cake, not built to produce cake while you're eating it at the same time. And the big issue over there is every one of us, every one of us, and I'm begging all business owners out there to think about this. Build a business, yes, that generates income as your first priority, but do it so it also generates capital value so that you can both enjoy income today, but also especially have that capital in the future. If you don't do it, it's a very, very frustrating realization when you're at the end of your game or at the end of your tether, whatever the case may be, Bruce. And, and that is uh, the brutal reality. And as you, you, I think you pointed out to us regularly, 95, 6% of businesses never get sold. Um, they they simply, um, like old golfers, they just fade away. <laughs> yeah. It's not funny for old golfers. <laughs> they miss the game. It's not funny for the business owners either. But I've tickled the no, funny bone not. there. No. No, no, no. It's not at all. Um, and and they, do, they do fade away. Uh, you know, the way to look at it, so, so if, you, if you wear a different hat, just for a moment as a business owner, instead of being passionately in love with your product, believing it is the answer and the elixir to all your success, instead of thinking about how you're going to change the world, 
Instead of thinking about all those things, Bruce, that are absolutely necessary to believe in, feel, and live for, take a step back for a minute and, and think of it from this perspective. If you have a thousand rand and you decide that you want to invest that money on the stock exchange, there are three things you need in order to turn that thousand rand into a lot more. After you have found a, a share that you believe in, that you like, you want to invest in it. Let's say you buy the share for a thousand rand and you're going to hold on to it for five years. You want income generation from it. And in a share, that will come out as dividends on a year-to-year basis. So in this example, let's say it's 200 rands worth of dividends every year. At the end of five years, you've enjoyed the benefit of a thousand rands worth of dividends. In your business, the dividends, the income you generate comes by way of a salary that you pay yourself, um, certain uh, uh, benefits that you can enjoy by earning a business, and dividends as well. It's a cash you get year on year on year into your hand or into your private capacity. At the same time, five years down the line, hopefully you made a good decision around the share that you bought. You want to now realize its capital growth. And let's say the share is trading at 2,000 Rand, you then sell the share. And in doing so, you get paid the 2,000 Rand for the share that you bought for 1,000 Rand, and you enjoy the 1,000 Rand capital growth. In effect, you've had your cake and you've eaten it at the same time. Because that share gave you a 1,000 Rand capital value at no cost, because that cost was eroded by the dividends. You got the dividends back. The third feature that's absolutely vital to this is that you've got to have a buyer. And that buyer who looks at that share can see that they have ahead of them the opportunity to grow capital and to grow income and to eventually then trade and sell that. And that means that that share needs to be independent of you and it needs to have, it needs to be attractive to potential acquirers. And we don't get that part right. It's 94.6% of businesses started, despite the fact that they generate really good income in the United States, Bruce, which is a very, very vibrant market, failed to sell. The other country where I've got access to really good stats, uh, because they manage that economy very tightly, is Australia. It's a very well-organized economy. It's a very business-friendly economy. 97.2% of businesses started in Australia, failed to sell. So it's not about your capability as an entrepreneur. It's about how you look at your business and what you're doing in it on a day-to-day basis that prevents that final exit. I mean, are we on a hiding to nothing? I mean, the odds are so stacked against you to be able to build a business that will finally yield any sort of value at the end of its useful life to you. No, I I don't think so. I I really, really don't think so. you know, very seldom does any, if you think about the average business owner out there, so let's say I'm, I have a business and I make uh, wooden tables. What do I pay attention to day in and day out to grow my business? I think about my wood supply. I look to see where I can get a better supply of wood, a better quality wood, a different variety of wood, a better grain of wood. I look at the lathes and the machinery that I have in my, on my factory floor. Uh, for purposes of manufacturing, 
and I look to see if I can improve the quality of the blades or if I can get an additional piece of equipment uh, into the factory to make things more efficient or to introduce a new design. So I look at designs of tables. I then look at my team to see what skills I need in my team. Uh, I look at my customers who are buying tables and I visit them and I look at competing tables and I buy Table Quarterly, which is the Table Trade Association <laughs> magazine. And I there isn't. To there isn't. Table Is there? Annually. <laughs> no, there isn't one. But, okay. But that's but, where but, I spend my time. Okay. Yeah. That's where I spend my time. I look at my product all the time, thinking that that is going to give me the answer to everything. If you simply take a step back for a minute and realize that you're an operator, but you're also an investor, and then with a little bit of empathy, put the investor hat on when looking at your business. You realize very quickly that there are only two destinations. It's either going to be a sale and exit or closure, because despite how much you love your business, you are going to come to the end of your journey at some point in time. If you have that moment of realization, that's what it can take, Bruce, to not be on the wrong side of those stats. Simply having that realization today, so you start looking at your business differently tomorrow and therefore behaving differently in it, can save you a whole lot of disappointment and trouble 10, 20, 30 years down the line. And, and for most people, uh, the business is their pension because they they invest and reinvest and then reinvest and reinvest, keep pouring capital into the business in the belief that and they grow and it's lovely and they reap higher dividends and that's fine and their lifestyle improves and you know, they, they live good lives out of that business. But when you don't work with the exit in mind and it seems ludicrous to do it for 30 years time, but if you're not building it with that exit in mind, you are doomed to you know, stop work one day and then close the factory, close the shop. If you, to take the table analogy one step further, can't see the wood for the trees, then you are, you're doomed. And, you know, it's very true because, I mean, by far, by far, by far, by far, the majority of people um, that I speak to and work with, and you know, mostly I spend my time in the mid-tier um, business sector, so it's kind of that 15 to 300 million a year revenue business. Bruce, even in those cases, when I look at the backstory of 99.999% of all the business owners that I've come across and work with, most of them started with so little money. They were undercapitalized. Many of them did not come from big, rich, privileged families. Many of them didn't have an asset base behind them. And that continues to be the case. In those environments, you chase the revenues. You chase the revenues. You chase them hard, which is absolutely right. Money comes in, and because you get traction, because you are seeing that you're getting access to the market, because you're getting repeat sales, because the, build, the business is building from 5 million to 10 million to 15 to 20 to 30, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, in the back of your mind, you're constantly reinvesting the money for two reasons. Number one, you believe in it, and there's evidence to show that it's a good decision, and that is so. But the second feature is that South Africa doesn't have funding available for businesses in truth. We've got a very, very well-constituted banking environment, but banks are really good at providing limited, very limited trade finance, 
by way of an, an overdraft facility or some factoring on the on the uh, your debtors they're very good at providing increasingly so limited now asset backed fi- uh, funding to acquire a machine or to acquire a vehicle or whatever the case may be but that kind of stuff doesn't get you to the next level of growth and that next level of growth needs equity funding and as south africans we don't understand equity funding we don't know how to access equity funding properly we don't know how to use it as a lever to actually manage our risk a little bit in the business but also put it into those features that really give your business a lift so we throw everything back in and we do so saying you know what bruce it's fine i know what i'm doing at the end of the day i live for my business i believe in my business the evidence there is that it's a good investment to do this as one should and in any case one day when i sell the business i will get my capital return my pension and i'll be sorted there are very few people i know bruce that don't think like that at the moment yeah, it, 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 it's so tricky. And I mean, for so many South Africans, they're so reluctant to relinquish control. They're so reluctant to, to give away equity. Um, they feel as if they are robbing their future selves by allowing other investors into the business. And I'm sorry, you don't grow extraordinary wealth using just your own money. You, If you're willing to share and bring in like-minded individuals and great other minds who can guide, lead, cajole, occasionally get shouty if it's necessary um, uh, to get you back on track, then I would think that's incredibly valuable. It is because, you know, the, the interesting thing about having an equity partner on board, an equity fund on board, how are they looking at your business? They're looking at it exactly as you ought to be looking at it on day one 30 years later, when you've decided to sell. So already today, they're looking at your business that way. And they're saying, you've got a great income generator over here. We need to turn it into a capital asset because unless it's built as an asset that has the features of income growth, of capital growth, and of tradability, how can I ever exit my investment in your business? That mindset is invaluable because it is such a sharply contrasted mindset to the operator that knows how to do deals, that knows how to create a business that spits out income. Those two combinations create magnificent value because you've got that perspective and you've got that objectivity. Pablo, I need to ask you a personal question, um, and that is what do you... Christo Visa, um, Mr. Derater at Escom and Charlize Tehran all have in common. <laughs> what do we all have in common? Andre Derater, Christo Visa, Charlize Tehran, and Pavlo Fatidis all have one thing in common. Oh my word, Bruce! I honestly don't know. All of Charlize Tehran. Yes, yes, all of you. All of you have had your pets interrupt discussions with me. What's your dog's name? <laughs> Charlize has yeah. a dog called Leo. I don't know what Andre Dorator's <laughs> dog's name is. And I don't remember Christo Visa's dog, but it started yapping in the background of an interview once. What's your dog's name? I heard it bark. 
I really was hoping that you couldn't hear that. <laughs> Who? What's his name? My my dog's name is Zora, and she was named after sure. one of the foremost thinkers and poets that led the liberation of African-American females in the United States. She was a, a poet that had eloquence, that had the gift of the pen, and was able to move enormous masses of people's minds and thinking in a creative way to understand themselves better and create a fairer environment altogether. No wonder the dog's barking. That that amount of pressure on a dog is intense. (laughs) I mean, you can't put that responsibility on the dog. I I I was hoping you you had a dog with a silly name like Fluffy or something, which would be much funnier. But thank you, Pablo. (laughs) Pablo Fatini is from Auric Business Accelerator and Zora on The Money Show.